Welcome to the Strategy Mom Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. No idea why I always lower my voice every single time I say that, Very but it's cool. just it's just fun. <laughs> hey, for everybody out there Strategy that's watching Mom. and listening right now, um, today's going to be an awesome day because you get to meet the oh-so-famous Miss Fleming Ford. Thank you, Fleming, for taking the time to come jam with us Thank today. Thank you, Jason. I was really looking forward to it. Love, love, love listening to you. I know. We, we both had kind of those days that are just kind of like, go, 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 go. But we finally got to connect. So it's like, I'm really excited. And I've been looking forward to this one uh, because I think we're going to cover some subjects in depth that have been touched on but really haven't been dived into. So I, it's actually going to be a really fun podcast. But before we get into what we want to talk today, I thought it'd be cool to kick off the podcast with a little origin story. Uh, just so everyone out there has got some context. So Fleming, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, I thought I was an amazing salesperson, but to um, what I come to find out is because my name is Fleming Ford, I would get into every GM because they thought I was calling to do a dealer trade, thinking I was a dealership. And so unlike a lot of salespeople <laughs> who could never get past the gatekeeper, I had hundreds of conversations with GMs when I was like 25 years old. And I, at the time, worked on how do you hire and the right people and then retain them. So it was more of like a whole hiring process and, and how do you really identify good salespeople and, and the right technicians and so forth. And so, um, Fortunately, we have always had that problem and we still do. So I'm evidently not doing a very good job at that. Um, so I ended up with having the vertical in automotive because I had so many automotive clients for my consulting company. Mm -hmm. And we moved into uh, really then if you're going to hire the right people, you've got to have a good culture and a good place to bring them or you're still going to turn them over. So um, we kind of moved our consulting into, you know, the people strategy around a dealership. So how do you grow a dealership through getting the best people and keeping them and also getting productivity and engagement through, you know, really the highest probably advantage of a dealership is going to have, you know, be the people side of it. It's our, it's our biggest asset for sure. hundred percent. Absolutely. And you can really walk into a dealership and you can feel that as if it's an asset or a disadvantage, you know, so you're right. When you walk into a dealership, you can feel the energy. And I always tell a GM, I'm like, it's reflective of your ability, what I see on the floor or what I see in the bay when I pull up. I mean, how people are responsive, how much they're engaging with each other, what their attitudes are. I mean, are they hopping up to help? Are they greeting you? Are they, everybody's busy and has some, you know, like some real rhyme or reason to their day. But you can actually feel how great the leadership is, which is also, you can't grow the dealership without the leadership. So mm -hmm. we know that is always kind of like a first starting point of, of like assessing where a store is at and where we might need to go. No, that that's true. I mean, look, the people are our assets. They're ultimately at the end of the day, what's going to bring us success. Like here's one thing I've found consistent with all the dealerships that I've ever visited out there. You know, happy employees have always made for happy customers. And I, I feel like a lot of times in our, in our right. I mean, it, it, I know it's a simple, simple idea and simple strategy, right. but a lot more difficult to execute. Um, it's simple in nature, but 
you know, to execute happy, very difficult. Yeah, to, to to execute happy employees, you really have to process the crap out of it. You know, it's like it, I feel like it's almost kind of like going going to the gym to work out. Like you have to create a routine and a series of processes to to consistently maintain a, a level of happiness with your staff. And I'm sure that you've probably have consulted and worked with that, and you've seen that actually in play. You can almost feel it, right? So, you know, for yeah. the dealerships out there that are agreeing with us and shaking their heads up and down, going, yeah, you guys are right. Like, I mean, it's an area of, of focus that I need to be on. And I think especially right now, given the situation that oh. we're in, you know, going into Q4 and we're hitting those colder months. So you're in Florida. You don't actually ever get to feel those, though. <laughs> A little envy. It's, there's, a, it's there's, a brisk 55 today. We got our like long you know sleeves what? on. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> hear it. It's, it's snowing outside right now. So, you know, Jeez. like 55. But I'm like, that's that's yeah. that's short weather I, and sandals. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but but it is good timing to really kind of have the discussion and make sure that there is a strategy legitly around how do we keep staff motivated and happy. And I'm sure you probably have some thoughts on this. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought it up, Jason, because right now, so we do employee surveys and what we're seeing right now when, when we're kind of records are being broken in terms of like pay and sales and, and things that are being accomplished in a lot of the stores, you think people would be happier and more engaged. And what we're seeing right now is this dip in our surveys in terms of employee happiness and engagement. And I think it is because the, when we're really busy and we're working lean, a lot of the times that we spent valuing the employees, caring about the employees, helping the employees grow and develop, we're now kind of just rushing around in the urgent. Mm -hmm. And the employees are feeling that on top of the pandemic. And so what I'm really encouraging my GMs right now to do, or all my you know managers, is make sure you are intentionally spending some time on the personal side of that person. Because a lot of people are dealing with a lot of stress right now. So our well-being. Yeah, that's totally um, true. And, and, and sometimes we think, oh, we're, they're just making a lot of money and the store is doing awesome. They're probably fine. And actually right now, people are in crises um, emotionally. And they're dealing with, you know, no hope. And so it's a great time to really go to your team and, and make sure you're, you're make the GM's role right now is probably the most important thing that, you know, they've ever had to do mm -hmm. is make sure their people are in a good space and they feel safe and secure and, you know, now, see some how, do you how do you identify that? Um, look, I, I, I'm the first one to admit that my EQ is not way up there, right? I'm, I just, it was something that I just had to constantly, like, I, like I, I had to be aware <laughs> of it. You know, I had to be conscious about it when I was running my dealership. You know, it was, it was, I, I was very just get stuff done. And I find a lot of entrepreneurs were just like that. We don't necessarily have a whole lot of emotion going through that, but it is so important right now. So what are some tips for some dealers out there to kind of identify, you know, the individuals that are just having a bit of a rougher time? Um, and I, I feel you because when I get busy, I'm not like my, what I call my niceness, my caring. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let's just go, go, go. I need this done. You know? So I totally feel you. Um, sometimes I have to schedule it. You know, sometimes I like, mm, let's point. put it on your calendar. You're going to do some one-on-one -on -one time with, you know, um, an easy thing, especially in a bigger store. Um, I do, um, I have, and, and I can get it so they can download it. I do what I call com coffee and combos. And mm. so, you know, it's, would be you maybe pull a parts person, a service person, um, the receptionist, a sales person. So you put like a small six to eight, nine, ten people together and they have breakfast with the GM. 
and the GM just asks really good questions. What could we do like differently? How hack. would what could we do to make happier? So it's a nice way to get the GM to be relatable because sometimes you know my GMs are awesome. I mean, like they really do care about the people. But I always say there's like a, 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 you know an IP gap, their intention mm-hmm. yep. and then the perception, right? And so it breaks their heart sometimes on the surveys when the people are like, I don't even know who he is, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> so. I don't know, some will say one of the other training groups a long time ago must have told GMs to walk through the back on their way in so that the service people get to see them. And so, you know, I'm like, that's not enough, you know, like. I actually remember doing that, yes. (laughs) And they're always very proud of it because somebody told them to do it. And so today, so we actually did a study where we looked at why service technicians we love to do studies, by the way, uh, why service technicians were staying at their jobs or not, like what was driving it. Mm-hmm. And this last year, so out of the top 10 things, this last year, three of them were about the GM. And they've never been about, the GM never even gotten to the top 10 because they didn't used to go back there that much mm. and it wasn't a big deal. But now people are looking at the GM, not just to you know, produce results, but really to cast the vision and cast the why, you know, everybody is more about what's my purpose and do I matter? And people need to feel that, which sounds really soft and, you know, but it's really such an impact on retention across the store. Um, And a lot of an easy, easy other thing you can do is just stop and say, Jason, you know, hey, I was wondering, you're really good at, can you help me out with what's your idea about, or, you know, I want your thoughts on this. And that just builds people up and it's free. It's free, free, free. Um, So, but you have to make sure almost like any goal, um, you know, you have to really kind of put it on your calendar and say, I'm going to talk to three people today that I don't really know and make sure they know I care about them. Um, Because people right now are hurting. And sometimes we have to act tough and cool in the dealership. And so we don't always see that. Tough and cool is kind of the the norm, right? The motto, yeah. You know, I mean, look. Superhero. I owned a dealership. There's ups and downs. Um, Financially, there's ups and downs. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I, I can't tell you. I mean, I'd literally watch a bank account go from here to here <laughs> right. to back up to here to over there all within the same month. And you're just you're like, funny. holy jeez. You know, yeah. it's just deals were being funded and things were going out and cars were coming in. Deals were not, just being, funded. not yeah. being funded. Not being funded. And just so there's, 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 there's so much pressure. I agree with you. I, there, there's so much pressure. There's so much stress uh, on that GM or that DP type role that it's like – we have to we have to schedule it. I mean, I, I live and die by this thing, and I've learned to live and die by this thing. This was not natural for me. I had okay. to force myself to do it. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten to the point now where I actually have kid time scheduled uh, yes. between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m., and I think one of the coolest things now is I can preset do not disturb on my phone mm-hmm. where no notifications go off, yeah. no phone calls happen, no nothing, and it's just like I just I need to have that time. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that um, I would do at my dealership was similar to kind of what you were talking about is like when I was walking by a salesperson's office and I know that they had done, because I get the reports, like, and they closed this deal or they closed this deal or the technician closed this RO. And I just ask them, hey, how'd you do it? Yes. I may have already know the Absolutely. answer. Right. It didn't, it. It, it didn't matter. But I mean, actually, I would love to watch my technicians because like with me with a set of wrenches, is the worst thing in the world, by the way. Feel like, you. I, yeah, I, would, I would injure myself. Yes, I would. I seriously would. I, so it's like I would have sometimes it'd be fun. I would just see them. and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing up there? Like, 
what are you looking at? I want to, I want to, you know, it was just, it, it, it was that five to seven minutes where I could just kind of engage with them. And, and they felt like they taught me something instead of always, you know, I feel like DPs and GMs were always going to teach down, teach down, you know, and, yes. and, and I feel like oh, we, we can earn gosh. so much yeah. respect and we can get to a and place where there's so much more open if we it. do it upwards. Right. So much. And I think, I mean, it's just brilliant. The type of leadership style you have, because people will be loyal. People always are like, why can't I attract talent? Why can't I, there's nobody, you know, there's nobody to hire. And I'm like, cause you're the problem because you know, talent attracts talent. And if you are a great leader who is known and becomes known as coaching people and developing people and getting them up a level and caring and valuing people, not commanding and controlling, then people want to come work for you. This industry talks to each other. So, you know, if, if that's where, and everybody wants me to start there with helping them get better people. And I'm like, let's talk about really the root of the problem. And, you know, so often we, the role of GM has changed. It was always, you were the best producer and like get everybody to produce more. But now you've really got to deal with a lot of psychological dysfunction, um, you know, people who are dealing with different things and you've got to learn to tap in and influence them, not because you told them to and you paid them, but because you yes. wanted them to want to. Very different game um, than what we all kind of grew up with. And a lot of it is, what you just did there gave that employee value. And, and that's what makes people stick and give discretionary effort, basically, which is where the money comes from. If you can get everybody to give 10 or 20% more, because um, that's where the productivity really, you know. So I, I do have a question for you, Fleming, because this has come up now multiple times in some of the conversations and dealer groups that I work with around employee evaluations. Because I think there's a big opportunity here to connect with an employee uh, lift them up or it can just really drop and just destroy an employee's morale. Right, and right. I had an opportunity recently to sit in on one and man, it was, I'm not going to lie. It was rough. It was actually really, really <laughs> rough. And I felt a little bad for the employee. Um, but I, but I see so much value in, in employee evaluation, but I'm sure there are mm -hmm. wrong and right ways to do it. I'm sure you've seen some great examples of doing it. I'm sure you've seen some bad examples. What kind of advice can you give to people out there that are doing employee evaluations at their dealerships? Well, and I think it, you know, if you wait like a whole year to do an annual review, mm -hmm. um, you know, you probably miss the moment. I think what we're seeing now is a lot more frequent employee, and I almost would call them employee coaching sessions, um, because what's happened like is we don't want to tie the review to the pay raise because then they stop hearing you. It's really about the pay um, for that annual review. Um, so, you know, when you really want to do performance reviews and set goals, um, you know, I really recommend they do them more often and more frequently so that the pay discussion is like almost, you know, built on the year of information that we put together. That way they're hearing you and, and, and they can do the coaching. Um, a, another area is where there's a real lack of clarity when I see goals and mm -hmm. reviews, which makes it hard to do the review. So you can't manage what you don't measure. And a lot of times we're like, sell more cars. Like that's, you know, that's the I'm only like, goal, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, like, you know, like 
All right, get to 20. And um, so really it's about the activities of the day and managing the activities and where they're at in terms of what they're doing to get to that number. And so a lot of times that's where the work comes in for the leader. So that accountability part gets ignored. Mm-hmm. So it's like today we need to catch, you know, eight more cars and then everyone's like off to the races, but there's no real clarity about who's doing what, when they're going to come back to me, when they're going to ask for my help, what do they need to get there? Um, so, you know, I always make sure all the goals are, are those smart goals, which I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. but the smart goals mean, you know, they're specific, like it's a very specific goal. It's measurable because I don't want to be the bad manager. It's like you either eat exceeded the goal, you <laughs> met the goal or you're below the goal. It's a very factual conversation. It's not how i feel like you did. Um, you know, and then A is it needs to be attainable. Like it, it can't be like you got to go from eight cars to 30 this month because I need to hit my numbers, right? So <laughs> that's, um, and it needs to be like relevant to, you know, they can't say they want every Saturday off as a goal. So it has to be relevant, but most importantly it has to be timely. So T is timely. And it's like, do you put time restraints on it? Because Jason, if I say to you, hey, can you get this to me as soon as possible? That could mean to you right now, or it can mean to you, oh, you meant today, boss? Like, you know, so a lot of times we're too busy to be clear as a leader. Um, And then I think the secret to really effective performance reviews is you have to balance care with candor. And what I mean by that is you can't come into the review and just give the candor right? And, and be like, you did this wrong and you need to fix this yep. without the employee knowing that you actually care about them. Because employees can take coaching and, you know, it, performance improvement like plans if they feel like you really do want to help them get there. And you really, so you do have to have the intention of not trying to get rid of them unless you want to get rid of them. That's <laughs> But I mean, like they need to know that you care about them. So you have to have invested in the relationship building, the trust building, the helping them get there so that they can hear the advice and, you know, kind of take in. And then they need to leave that performance review with they can do it. Not that they're under the gun, but it's like, oh, I, you want to build in the belief with them that with them and you can help them get there, you can see them reaching these goals. So it, it sometimes is like you have to go and make sure that mindset is in a positive place while you yeah, do it. It, you know. it really does have to be more of a, a side-by-side type effort. Thank you. You know, I, yeah, you know, I, I feel too often, you know, a lot of managers and I, I work with a lot of managers, they feel like they're almost kind of like dragging their team along. Like I almost kind of picture like there's this rope and the team members are holding on to it, and the manager's just, just like, come this way with me, you know? And it's, it's exhausting. It, it it's is exhausting, ex- and it kind of leads into what we were kind of talking about earlier before we started recording is kind of that, that, that burnout. Um, and I think burnout happens for a lot of different reasons in a lot of different positions. Um, but you, you, you said something earlier where, you know, you're really kind of – Focus on the efforts, not necessarily the results. I know we are such a result-driven, you know, industry. I am. I'm actually not necessarily um, all for the way our pay plans are structured because they're so yeah. result-driven. I mean, I, I played. I, I played sports very heavily a, as a kid. I mean, I, I, for a very long time. And you focus on the efforts, and the efforts determine what your results were ultimately going to be. And, but every single time I, I worked with a coach or, or somebody else, it was, it was always working on those efforts and focusing on those efforts. And then of the course, drills and the, yeah. exactly. And then of course the efforts are measurable. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, from a manager's perspective, now I'm managing a process that has a measurable element to it. And I'm not having to manage the, the person. Yes. I'm not having to manage the person with results. You know, I, I, I don't burn out as quickly because I let the process manage the people, not me managing the people. Um, so then I just have to focus on this 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 ball that just kind of continues to, to, to push along. But I don't feel like we ever kind of get to that space. And then we ultimately kind of end up burning out. Do you see the same thing? Well, and I think people are tiring. I mean, it's like being yes. a parent of 20 people and they're, you know, you got your babysitting hat on. I mean, and you may be a well-paid babysitter, but nobody is fulfilled with that. And I think, you, you want know, to hear what I love funny what real you... quick? My, the best manager I ever had was actually an ex-kindergarten teacher. Really? I think there's something That's there. hysterical. <laughs> yeah, that, that I have to think about that for a minute, what that means. Um, but they, when you said, like, to me, managers manage things and leaders manage people. Like, you know, mm -hmm. leaders aren't they have to be good at people. That's it, you know, and, and getting people to want to do their very best and having the confidence to do their very best. And with that, if you get too caught up in, you know, the results, people start to feel like cogs in the wheel. And I think that it's exhaustingly draining, especially to my, to the managers, because mm -hmm. you know, leadership is a skill. And a lot of times we take our highest producer and we put them into management. And we're like, congratulations. And we expect you to be you know, a leader. And that is a like <laughs> leadership is a long learning process. I mean, there's, I mean, even if you've been doing it for a long time, you're still learning tricks of the trade, but there's a lot of skill set involved. And we take all these like new leaders and we just throw them to the wolves and say, get them to do what you did. And then there, that's a big shift. And it's all about me to, it's all about them. And I'll have to get results through them. And so it's, mm -hmm. The only way people kind of feel comfortable is controlling it all. And when you're controlling and pushing and pulling, like you were just saying, you, you can't gain any more capacity. Like how are you supposed to grow 20% when you have nothing left to give because you're already there bell to bell. You're there all the time. They're draining every bit of energy out of you. Um, and so you can't figure out how to build on that. And a lot of it is, you know, are we getting the right people? Are we empowering the people? Are we developing and coaching them so they can take some of it off your plate mm -hmm. um, to free you up to do some fun strategic things that you haven't got to do? Because I think it's like, you know, the day-to-day -day in and out that's burning out a lot of people in our industry. Well, it, it is burning. And I also find what ends up happening is, and I, I've said this many, many times, it's a jack of all trades and master of absolutely nothing type scenario. <laughs> So you know, much. and it's just yeah. we, we wear all these bloody hats and look, we have the intention of being the best manager, the best salesperson or the, or the best service manager. We, we, we want to be the best. But to your point, leading and managing are two entirely different things. And, you know, if I was a salesperson gets promoted into a manager uh, role, what they did as a salesperson, they did a great job of managing their own efforts to get the results that warrant them moving into this position. But just because they were able to manage themselves does not necessarily mean that they can lead others. Like it, it's well, an entirely especially different if you think game. about like top salespeople, you know, they eat their young. Like they've been like fighting <laughs> it out with all these people, and now I'm supposed to take care of you. I mean, it's such a big like um, headspace switch. And so, um, you know, it's like when I start working with a leader, and I, you know, we really look at what are you doing all day. Because it's really easy mm -hmm. in our industry to be busy 
but not do your job. We can push and, paperwork all around all day long. Oh my gosh. Like you can, and everybody, oh, I worked so hard. I did 60 hours. And I'm like, if I really sat in your store, you know, and looked at what you did, that's where we break down. Where are we really being productive and using our mm-hmm. time? And are you putting the right hat on? Um, you know, I, so there's many levels of leadership. And I, you know, the one you just started with is like, you have the job, right? Like you get to boss people around now, but what you also don't get is it's a really hard job and you have to give a lot to get a lot. Um, and then a lot of people get stuck there. And it's like, you know, leadership is really about, you know, building those relationships, building trust. People want to know, do you care about me? Are you going to help me grow? You know, can I, can I believe in you? And, and you know, do I matter? And that's, we kind of skip over that step a lot and jump right into production. Move, yeah. move, move, it's, move, it's move, the, move, move. Do, I got to get my numbers. I got to get my numbers. And the people don't feel. It, it's the do like you the, matter. It's the cornerstone, right? Do you matter, like, like yeah. you see, I mean, I, I love the fact that you said that because Be nice. like, if we can get them to know that they matter to us, then we can build upon it. But we, you're to your, you're 100% right. We, we just jump right past that whole section. Yeah. You know, well, and it's, it's the industry push. I mean, it's the OEMs and pushing every month, month, month. Like they don't care that, you know, I get hired a lot with the OEMs to work on retention. And, you know, like that's, a, we know it's, you know, a huge um, issue. And we actually compile all the data for the NADA workforce study every year. So we get to do a lot of studies with some of the OEMs. So then they want to work on retention. And, but then they're kind of the problem. Sorry, mm-hmm. OEMs. Mm-hmm. No, because I agree. They're creating this pressure of monthly that, you know, we can't, it just puts so much pressure on the teams that they get so focused just on numbers instead of what they're building and what their brand is and, um, you know, how the customer experience is going to go. So it's a hard cycle to break and it takes a lot of framework to build a team that's the right people in the right place that's empowered and, and everybody's doing more than what we used to do five years ago because the GM roles change. And so we have to like empower all the rest of our managers. And, and then frankly, we got to start empowering our people. And they're like, I can't trust them to do that. And I'm like, why did you hire that person if you can't <laughs> trust them with a customer? You know, so there's a lot of different boundaries we have to put in terms of like who is now an acceptable player because the sales consultants have to be much more knowledgeable. We can't afford us to put 10 green peas on the floor and, you know, the customer now knows more than they do. So, which I've always it, found that's totally unacceptable. But I mean, you've heard it. I've heard it. it. Like, oh I just, my goodness. I can't it, tell you how I, many times like, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. But I, I still, just... like, I literally will be coaching a GM and he's like, oh, I just had a recruiter get me 15 people. I'm like, what? I go, have we not talked about this? Like, and they just can't stop themselves. It's that, like, war, it's that warm body. I just need a warm body. Like, I literally, I want to run out of the dealership if I hear it. <laughs> no, I do. You want to hear some yelling, my poor GMs, when they do that? Yeah, they're not getting my mama bears mad. I, I guess but, four letter words. <laughs> Yes. I'm like, okay, let's talk about how, how much money you spent right there. Cause they always think, well, if it doesn't work out, I didn't really pay them. And I'm yeah, like, right. okay. So we did a study with NADA with some of the 20, all their 20 groups, basically we pulled all their KPIs and we tracked it to retention. Mm-hmm. And if you improve retention by 10%, um, it was a gross profit impact of like half a million dollars. Right. And, and guess what? Your job's easier too. Cause now you're keeping oh, your people. Yeah. If it was a luxury brand, it was closer to 900, of course. But but just think if you did 20%, 
and like that's Huge. just putting out a good people strategy, a good leadership strategy. It's just putting a little bit more intentional effort on instead of accepting that's just how it is and nobody wants to work here. And, you know, what, that's not true. There are some really great stores that don't have a turnover problem. And um, they also were growing one unit per month per person, you know, by improving retention. So, I mean, there's some significant payback. And plus, you get some of your life back. You, do. you get to be proud of the team you put together. You get to go on vacation with your family without like worrying the, the stores imploding while you're gone. I mean, so it, it's, it, I get it though. It's a really hard cycle to break what we've built. Um, and it, it takes, you know, and that's why you and I have so much like opportunity to work with so many people because it's what kind of, keep, it's what kind of keeps us going, but it was kind of, this is, I mean, this is important because we're kind of going back to what we kind of were talking about earlier was this burnout. It's like, how do we avoid that? Right. And we have to be proactive. And that's really what we're talking about here. It's like we have to create a long-term a long-term strategy yeah. here. And, you know, look, it's not only valuable for yourself as a leader and a manager within your dealership, but then there's the customer benefit of it. You know, you know we love talking about the, the customer experience. experience. It's, yes. it's, 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 <laughs> I, I need a sound effect thing for that. I'm sure this board does something. Do. I get, don't know. Where's your team? Like, get them together. Oh, yeah. Maybe here we go. Well, I think this does it. Let's see. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I want one of those. Can, can I borrow that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I can but, do that when I'm talking to a GM. I'll just like, yeah, boo. No, no you can just use this one. Ooh, very good. <laughs> you do that in your free time. I can tell. Yeah, it's it's a new it's a new tool, so it's it's just I'm playing with it. Um, but but <laughs> no, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, but no, going back to the experience, right? It's like we're we're constantly chasing this unicorn called the customer experience, and you know we we seem to want to kind of like comp- like beat ourselves over the head with like this widget and that widget and this piece of technology and that trainer and this coach. And it's like, we, we want to like buy the experience. Like we want to buy it as a dealership. I'm, I'm going to buy it. I can no, go we buy want it. the secret. So- yeah. We I want the, I would say there's button. no secret. There's no secret pill here. It's hard work. Like <laughs> you is. have to put in the hard work as the leader and you have to build the team and it takes time and nobody wants to do something that doesn't like benefit them for six or eight months because that's how long it takes to turn a team around. And so they want the immediate. And so it's easier to buy the widget or the, you know, like technology that's going to make your people happy and engage them. I yep. mean, you know, there's no secret there. It's um, just, it's you know, just hitting the say, easy button. We, we yes. just we just want to hit the easy button. But it's the people that actually generate the experience, right? I mean, I had right. a little tiny Mitsubishi dealership. I owned a little tiny Mitsubishi dealership. But in my Mitsubishi dealership, I had uh, four uh, level three master technicians, you know, triple diamond master technicians. Nice. There's only like yeah. 11 of them or 12 of them in the country at the time, right? Um, wow. So I was like, you, you know, I, I was like, and I was, was going to be one of my backbones was just like, yeah. this is what was going to be a differing factor from all of us, right? But so they're-, they're You're they're, ahead of the time. They're, they're happy, they're, their happiness factor was a big one for me because everybody wanted them to steal come work them. and steal them, right? So like I had to, like, I had to intentionally, and intentionally I think is kind of the key word that we're using here. Everything we're talking about comes comes down to the bottom line. You, you have to be intentional, decision. right? Um, it's all I, doable. I worked them out a four-day uh, work week. Everybody was pissed off because another, in no, not in a single other dealership could wrap their head around how they could uh, work <laughs> their technicians on a four-day work week. And, they you know, and, and they loved it. They absolutely Love it. loved it. They had three days to themselves. They had life. Some, obviously these and technicians. they get more done in those four days. They did. 
they really did. Yeah. And, and the way we scheduled things, our hours changed because of it. But, you know, like I had a goal. The goal was simple. I needed them to stay happy, right? And so then I just kind of reverse engineered backwards from an operations perspective and said, what do I got to do, you know, that is within a place of, you know, profitability and range that I can control that will fundamentally make them happy. And taking that approach was great. Then uh, taking that approach then with the rest of the staff, it just continued to get better, you know, but mm -hmm. every person was different, right? Like yeah, these, yes. these four, these four be, technicians, everybody was different. These four technicians I had in the back, they were obviously they've been in the business for a long time. So they were older. They yes. didn't want to turn wrenches, you know, six days a week. They, that was just not something they wanted to do anymore. They wanted mm -hmm. to be able to have a three day weekend. You know, take take their sea do out, and you know, kind of in, in, <laughs> spend some time with the grandkids and stuff like that. You know, but it, every individual yeah, is different, and and I tell this, and I share this story to dealers, and then they just can't seem to wrap their heads about how they sit down with an individual and craft this out for them. And I'm sure you got some thoughts of this. So, what kind of advice can you give a, a dealership out there that's you know, say they agree with us? Right, their, 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 staff's, their staff's happiness is a key factor to an, ov an overall customer experience. But how do you take that one-on-one -on -one approach? Um, I mean, it, a lot of it depends, of course, on the size of the store because you have more options. But, you know, to me, the big opportunity that everybody should be jumping on right now is teaching the public um, scheduling. Mm, I mean, like, mm -hmm. we don't have to let them control that we're there all the time, bell to bell, whenever the, you know, the whim, they schedule everything else, their doctor's appointments, their, um, you know, the people, and now, right now, they don't want to come when it's all crowded. So they don't want to show up in the morning at seven when your bays are full and they have to, you know, be around all these people. And so you can have some better conversations if we teach the employees how to really set the calendar. And, you know, my husband and I were just talking about it. He took the car in the other day and he said, they said to me, if I could do it this time, you know, I'll be in and out. And he's like, of course I did that. And he's like, why don't they do that more often? And I'm like, so we have this fear that the public's not going to come with us. But if we teach our employees to teach the people a new way to deal with us, then you can actually schedule even the front around appointments that are coming in. You know, I mean, of course, everyone's there Saturday, but like you can even do some four days stuff up front, just, you know, have that be the crossover day. So, it's just getting out of your own way and believing the myths we've all told each other over the years that, you know, if, if we don't have people here, then the customers will just, all, do people do that anymore? You know, yeah. people don't like to go visit <laughs> dealerships anymore. That's not a thing we do on Saturday. We pick the one or two, we call you 80 times, you don't return our calls, and then we finally have to show up. So we just have to think about doing it differently and getting different skill sets um, and, and definitely looking at like, how does... Frankly, the millennials don't mind the crazy hours because they have really crazy schedules anyway. For but sure. it's, it's more, do you care about their life outside of work? Um, do you make it easy for them to have a well-balanced life? So those are some of the things I, I tend to go in and tackle because they can get their arms around that. Um, you know, can you bring the barber in? Can you bring the dentist in? Can you pick up their dry cleaning? You know, <laughs> some of those things that if you're going to ask me to be here, you have to make my life work. So, you know, I, but I also think now, We've taken great pride in showing off that we worked 80 hours a week or 70 hours a week. And now I think even my GMs would like to go to their kids' baseball game. 
Oh, look, I think, I think everybody wants, like when I first started in the car business, all right, there was no such thing as work-life oh, balance. No. It just didn't exist. It wasn't, it wasn't really, it's just no one talked about it. You got into the business knowing that there wasn't anything like that. And now, you know, people are talking about how do you capture new people coming into the business and how do you retain? And I think that's one of the biggest ways that you both capture new uh, new employees and retain existing employees is an actual work-life balance. And th- it's that lack of that work-life balance. It's the, it's, it's always kind of focusing on the results and not focusing on the efforts that ultimately gets everyone to this burnout section. And, you know, we kind of talked about this a little earlier. I'm not necessarily EQ, the best EQ in the world. So I don't necessarily identify when my team is burning out. In fact, I've, I've made it very, very clear that you guys have to talk to me because I don't know if I can pick up the little, you know, signs that nuances. you're, that, that you're, the nuances that, that, that you're burning out, um, you know, um, what kind of advice can you give dealerships out there, you know, that, that, that are having those issues? Cause this affects happiness, this affects retention, this affects customer experience. Like how do you identify burnout? Um, you ask them, I mean, unfortunately, so we, in our, we do an employee survey and the five questions, like we have slider questions that just do engagement, which is where we're going to pick out. Because a lot of times we ask, you know, how much do they look forward to coming to work? Um, would they recommend it as a place to work to their friends and family? Would they recommend it as a place to buy a car or get their car serviced? Um, do they feel like, you know, are they, are they planning to stick around? And where we will pick up burnout is when they start scoring low on I don't enjoy coming to work anymore. And I wouldn't recommend it to my friends to come get a job. So what I, what that will mean to me, and I'll be like, you know, we need to really look at your work-life balance because you're burning out your managers here. You're burning out your employees. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it it triggers what I call job jail. That makes sense. That's an interesting term. You have to elaborate on that one. That's a good one. Well, I think a lot of people who've been in the industry for a while are making so much money that they can't afford to leave, but they really don't want to be there anymore. Oh, so, yeah, no, I've seen this. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, yeah, I've seen, seen this a lot. So it, it's how do I re-engage them? And I think, you know, what's, you know, so on the surveys, we ask a couple questions um, that are free to answer, you know. So what's one thing we can do to improve the employee experience? What's one thing we can do to improve the customer experience? And you get some really good feedback, you know. You get some th- some things that we all get quite a laugh about because you're like, can't believe they wrote that here. Okay. Um, and then, but it's so insightful because employees really have an opinion. And so when we track retention, the number one thing that makes people stick around is, do you ask my opinion, which is an inclusivity question. You're hmm. including me. Mm-hmm. It means I matter. And so, you know, we talked about how powerful questions are, but just by asking them on a, through an employee survey, what do they feel and how can we make this a better place to work? People really get a lot of value out of being heard. And so, you, you know, I am always a big proponent of doing some, you know, you can do your own employee surveys. Um, you know, we survey like probably 40,000 dealership employees every year and run studies on, on what, you know, is really causing them to be happy or not. And it's really, are you growing me? Do you mm-hmm. care about me? Can I trust you? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Um, you know, and then do I really have, am I important? Do I matter? And so we have to focus more time around that, but you have to kind of see where they're at. And, you know, your intention, I know, as a leader is to 
really have a great team who's engaged and happy and delivers exceptional experiences to the customer. But the intention is not always you know, what's actually happening. And so we really got to fill in that gap between what you're intending to do and what's actually happening in the eyes of your people. And we just have to ask them how you feel. And if you're really good at taking feedback, then as a leader, I always try to get you to sit down and say, what can I do to be better? Let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for a second, because that's actually come up pretty recently is (laughs) how do you receive and how do you take that feedback? You know, um, with the dealer principal the other day. And um, we, we did actually, we're having the discussion kind of how we're attracting new business or new employees, new staff, um, and also what we're doing, what's the retention strategy with the current ones. Then of course I just kind of made it, I said, don't you do employee reviews and surveys and stuff? Yeah, we stopped doing that a few years ago. Okay, why? And you know, he gave me a general answer, a generic one, and then I pushed a little harder it's still kind of a generic one. I pushed a little bit harder and I finally got the real answer. It was like, I just didn't want to hear it. <laughs> like that's what it kind of came yeah. down to. Right. It's just like, I just don't care. It's uncomfortable. It, it, it's uncomfortable. How do we get into that mindset for the dealers out there that are listening right now? How do you get to that mindset where you, to be able to receive or take that feedback? I mean, well, first off, it's hard. Nobody wants to hear, mm-hmm. you know, but what I will typically say, there comes a point where I'll go, I'll be, you know, a dealer we've been working with for years and it's like the common, so we also ask the question, um, what does this GM do well and how can this GM be more effective or how can this parts manager, you know, we can dive, it's like kind of like a leadership 360. When you get that page, so that's an opt-in question. And I always look at what percentage of the people on your team took the time to say something good about you. When you get like where 80 or 90% of them are like, he's the best, or she always cares about what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. She's helped me grow or he's, you know, when you get that page, I'm always like, tell them, I'm like, you print that out, put it in a frame. And when you're having one of those really crazy bad days at the dealership, you read that (laughs) because that's you, you did that. I mean, it's a privilege to lead people. And if you're not going to bother to commit to do it right, then you really shouldn't be in leadership. And so you have to take you have to pay the price to get to the perks. And you know, that's, you that's so true. A- like, you know, it's not everybody is, is designed to be a leader and not everyone's designed to be a manager. Um, I think for a lot of people out there, they just have to be honest with themselves yes. and say, it's like, am I, am I the right person to, to lead this? And that's, it's not necessarily wrong. You can be an owner and realize that you're better at managing right. efforts than right. leading people. Operations or, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I just feel like. Plenty of money to be made there, yeah. A lot of us, we just, we just, there's this level of just honesty with our upper management team. And just say, like, really, you know, are we prepared for this? Are you the right person for this? Am I, am I putting yeah. too much on you? Am I expecting to be a leader and manager all at the exact same time? And those kind of sometimes conflict with each other. Look, Fleming, I, I know that we could probably go on this subject for quite some time. And this has been such an awesome episode. And I want to thank you in advance for, for taking the time to jam with us today. But before I let you go, uh, for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now, I'd love to connect with you and your company and, and kind of follow along with you guys and learn more about what you do. What, what's the best way to do that? Um, so we can be reached on esitrends.com and you can learn more about, you know, all the profiles and surveys if you have interest in that. We also are starting a GM Academy, uh, a new 
launch in January that's going to go through next year where we're kind of every month handling um, different people strategies. You know, what is your hiring process? How can you, um, you know, hire the right salespeople? How can you, um, you know, how do you have those difficult conversations? How do you set goals and performance management? So we'll be focusing on a people strategy and growing your leadership to grow your dealership. So that's exciting. We're really excited to launch that. And, you know, if anybody wants to like, you know, if you want to do like a coffee and combo and, and ask your people for their opinions, um, you know, I'd be happy to send you uh, our set of questions that we give out to all of our leaders um, just to kind of get this conversation started in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. what's a good way to, because some people aren't as comfortable really, you know, opening people up. Um, we're used to telling them what to do, but getting them, you know, asking good <laughs> questions and being it's quiet true. is sometimes the hardest thing we have to do. So be happy to do that or, you know, linked, link in, LinkedIn with me through you, everybody. <laughs> so, um, and I'm, you know, we also have a monthly leadership newsletter. If anybody wants to sign up for that, just shoot me an email. It's Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G at E-S-I-Trends.com. And I'd be happy to get you set up with that. Those are some awesome resources. And anybody that's watching and listening right now, I definitely encourage you to uh, check out those resources. We'll make sure to include a link for some of those resources um, in the podcast in the, the comments down below. Fleming, thank you, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to jam with me today. This has oh been gosh, a thrilled, ton of Jason. fun. I'm sure we'll be doing this again soon and hopefully sometime in person. That Live, will that, that, yeah. that will be that'll be better. But that'll be our cocktail <laughs> our cocktail hour with a <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in cocktails you, and combo, yeah. <laughs> you, you, that's my one of my favorite words. So I'm I'm yes. there. <laughs> hey thanks again Fleming. You have yourself an amazing day. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.